Welcome to the latest episode of the Construction Insiders Podcast, where our host, Jessica Bush, talks with industry experts about new trends, best practices, and how to successfully deliver construction projects in today's market. Whatever your role on a project, we think you'll find these discussions interesting and worth your time. Okay, well, thank you, Jason. This afternoon, we are going to change topics a little bit. And for this episode, we are going to talk about themed entertainment. And we couldn't think of a better person to bring in than our own Asif Fakar. He has been leading up our themed entertainment group for years, well before I got here. So it's all I've known. And he works on the most secretive, the most fascinating projects, I have to say, our company is in charge of and manages. So we rarely get to sit down with him and and talk about these projects because he won't tell us a peep about them. Uh, But today I convinced him to come in and we are going to talk about the space and his very unique skill set and how that plays into all these projects and, and getting them completed so that we all can have fun at these theme parks. And, you know, he's done everything, not to brag too much about you, Asif, but Everything from the Universal in Beijing, uh, Dubai Parks and Resorts, Disney Parks all over from here in the mainland to where over in Shanghai. I mean, you've, you you handle it all over the place. So um, I'm really happy that you were able to join us and come in today. And uh, and hopefully we can uh, get some good information out there. Thanks very much, Jessica. I'm very pleased to be here. Thanks for inviting me. All right. So um, without without too much time, I'm just going to jump on in because we have a lot of questions for you and we have a short amount of time to get through them. So just a little bit about kind of getting a listener. I mean, I've, I've kind of said everything about, you know, project wise, what you work on with us and, and all of your expertise there, but a little bit of your background and kind of what got you into this very specific space um, of, of themed entertainment. It's not something that you hear about a lot on the construction side, um, project management, project management side, excuse me. Um, so kind of what was your background and how did you get into this space? Okay, well, I uh, I grew up in London, and I'm actually a trained quantity surveyor by background. Uh, for those of you that don't know what quantity surveyor is, just think estimator in the US. Um, and I worked for several companies in London uh, before uh, attaining chartership status with the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. Um, I always wondered what it would be like to work on theme parks and attractions. Um, I tended to be more interested in projects that were complex or unique in in a certain aspect. And so that kind of led me to theme parks and attractions. Um, And the folks that I spoke to, they repeatedly told me that the overwhelming majority of world-class theme parks were actually in America. So at that point, I set my sights on looking for a company and seeing if one even existed that kind of focused on such a narrow scope of work uh, in the industry. Right, okay. I was I was fortunate enough that uh, I came across coming and then even more fortunate, of course, that they uh, made me an offer. So in, it, back then, did we because you might be the more of the historian for me with, with our company. <laughs> did we have a themed entertainment sector or was this kind of your baby that you started seeing the need in the industry? Uh, we did have a skill set. Uh, our founder, Finlay Cumming, you know, he had worked for Walt Disney Imagineering back in the day. So that's where the roots. So we had our, history in that, and okay, exactly, yeah, makes sense. Very cool. Okay, well, and so when, when you when you joined, um, 
and kind of took over this group and, and really kind of made it into what it is today. Um, such a big kind of part of our business is this themed entertainment um, sector. What what were you working on then? Um, you know, how how did the, how did those projects what did those projects look like back then? Um, was it the Disney's with the Universal? Is that how we started? Um, yeah, very know? much. The first few projects were working for Disney. They might have been a, a small engagement where either we had uh, uh, some staff that were seconded on site uh, to Disney or it could have been some milestone estimating perhaps that was done from the offices. It could have been a, a variety of things from a rehab of an existing attraction all the way up to a full attraction in those days. Wow. Okay. And so when we're, we're talking about this unique kind of sector, unique beast that it is, um, what certain, we talk about the skill set, right? So what are those skills? What are those unique um, knowledge bits that you need? What What do you look for when we're hiring or what are the Disney's universals of the world looking for when they come to us? Sure. Well, um, the theme park world really can be broken down into three main components, which is called facility, show and ride. The facility really covers the base building of an attraction. And most estimators can kind of capture that. It's the steel, concrete, MEP systems and so forth. You don't need to be a a specialist to really cover that. So So, you could be, mm -hmm. you know, really well versed in mixed use, things like that to, to cover that. Exactly. And there are some nuances, whether it's theme plaster or rock work, but that's very easy to coach at that level. So that's the facility components. Most folks can pick that up. If you've been estimating for a period of time, uh, it'll come as second nature. There's similarities between other sectors. For sure. Then we get into what makes these projects what they are, the magic, and that's called show components. Sounds flashy. It it absolutely (laughs) is. So when we talk about show components, we're talking about things like animatronics, LN2 systems, we're talking about audiovisual systems, projection systems, all of these things suddenly open up. And um, and they're a skill set that you don't learn, even if you've been estimating or doing project management for 30 years on non-theme park projects. Mm-hmm. These are very, very unique to this industry. Okay. And then there's a third component, which is the rides. A little bit easier to understand, of course, it's the coasters, simulators, those types of things. But between show and ride, you've probably got, depending on which classification system you use, um, could be up to 30 to 40 divisions of work to really master this. Okay, so when we're talking about these projects and bringing the ride to the visitor, there's a lot of steps in between there. Is there some sort of you know, universal metric for costing, for building these out that is used? I know... A couple of podcasts ago, we talked to our in-house MEP expert, and he was really talking about the need for this universal, you know, published metrics so that everyone's speaking the same language. So when it comes to themed entertainment, I know we have like the big giants, we have, you know, uh, the the regional zoos, the aquariums, we have things all over the place that, that maybe don't walk the same walk as Disney or do things a little bit differently. Are there these universal universal metrics that people are using or, or how do people with your specialty talk the same talk? How does that work? It's a great question, Jessica. Um, 
Typically, if I focus just a little bit on estimating, folks are wired to think in terms of cost per square foot or cost per square meter if you're working internationally. Um, that approach works for, let's say, the base building of an attraction, but it really doesn't work when you get into show and ride. I'll give you one small example. You could have two identical dark rides, and one of them has media that costs $10 million, and another one has media that costs $1 million for a variety of reasons. When you divide that across the cost per square foot, it really skews the numbers and it's not really a meaningful kind of metric to use. So that's one of the challenges. The other is there's no real standardized chart of accounts in this industry. Okay. So typically... Is, owners, that, mm-hmm. is that because everything is so unique or is the industry just not there yet in this sector? I think part of it or most of it is really down to confidentiality. Mm. So a lot of these projects, the owners really keep all the project data to themselves. And so we're in a very privileged position. In my vantage point, I get to work with all kinds of owners, all kinds of creative designers working on projects all across the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to benchmark stuff. But of course, I'm, uh, I have a constraint that I cannot share any of that kind of information, right. of course. <laughs> so you're seeing it from the you know 3000 foot level and you're able to kind of see, oh, man, like this, how they're doing it here is great. Ooh, they could lessons learned, but you're, you've signed so many NDAs that there's, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think I've been doing this too long because I, and I'm not joking when I say this, I can recognize a creative designer from the color palette on a drawing. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. Really? You know who, who did know it, who, who came a, up with it. Who uses a distinctive orange and, and other colors. Oh, how funny. <laughs> well, I guess that's why people bring you on board, right? Because you, so. <laughs> you know down to those details. Very cool. Okay. Um. So, you know, we talked about kind of, you know, the differences of, of, you know, you can't just be a hospitality guy or a mixed use guy and, and, and how detailed and unique this sector is. As we go into, you know, we're entering into 2020 now. Um, can't believe it. How do you see the industry? I mean, as someone that has seen it for so many years through ups, downs um, with the current market today, are we are things booming in themed entertainment? Are they cautious? Like, wh- what is that looking like to kind of change gears here? Yeah, I, I I started working purely on themed entertainment in 2008. And at that time, we did have a, um, a downturn. Of oh, that's, course. I was going to say, deep it's a downturn. very interesting time to start <laughs> in themed entertainment. But the, the funny thing is, in terms of, say, investment and folks designing theme parks, a downturn doesn't necessarily limit a theme park development. The reason for that is a theme park, a full theme park, may take seven to ten years to actually go from inception to actually opening. So a downturn sometimes is not a bad bad thing to happen because owners can take advantage of a very competitive market. Uh, Labor, cheap, yes. Great pricing. And then by the time that they're finished with the project, we've probably just come out of that recession. So they've, they've made a deal. Exactly. It's all timing. <laughs> yeah. Life, right? Life is timing. Okay. And, and so, and so where, where, where are they kind of at in the mix right now? Are, are things... Yeah, so right now I'd say the market has been buoyant. It's been buoyant for many, many years. We've been fortunate uh, in our own group that we've, we've managed to work on one large project, uh, super project, over the last few years. And I don't see that um, that reducing to any extent. Right now, across the world, there's a lot of activity in Asia. Um, uh, Both coasts in the U.S. have a lot of activity, California and Orlando. That's really where our focus is at the moment. And then beyond that, there's there's a few interesting things happening in the Middle East. 
Really? So okay. um, some very, very big projects, giga projects they've been termed, and they'll probably push the envelope, push the bar a little bit in terms of what's possible. So that's, that's quite exciting. So in terms of, you know, the most creativity, something that's completely different, where are those projects happening right now? For you, what are you most excited <laughs> at? What are you looking at? I mean, like, wow, that's something. Yeah, so I think um, one of the uh, the fascinating things about working on theme parks and attractions is that uh, innovation. Yeah. And is the fact that people are always trying to do something different. Technology moves as well. So being able to harness something like uh, virtual reality or, or um, RFID technology and so forth. So that makes it really interesting. It makes it tough as well to manage because... A lot of these things have never been done before. So there's no proof of concept. No proof of concept. And and you personally must always be having to to learn and challenge yourself and read up and see, just constantly be trying to get that knowledge as well to stay the expert. Exactly. It's, a, it's an are. ongoing process. I, I mean, I don't know anything. There's way too much divisions for me to know everything, mm-hmm. but it keeps me on my toes. And I always tell my team as well, listen, just try and pick up a new kind of... Um, division of work, learn about it, become a master of it. And surely over a period of time, you become an expert. It's a big step to be able to manage a single attraction and then a complete theme park, one land, and mm-hmm. then a complete theme park. And then the most extreme assignment that we had, which was managing multiple theme parks, as in Dubai parks and resorts. Mm. Three theme parks were built, including a water park at the end, all at the same time. Never been done before. Incredible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a challenge. <laughs> Very cool. You know, kind of, again, talking about where we, where we see things going and what's going on around the world. What are, other than just innovation, are there other goals that you see, you know, these clients having that are similar or are there, are there goals generally different from each other what do you see kind of just on that what the, what the client is looking for and and, yeah. and, and with the the market and interest mm-hmm. of the visitor today well i think ultimately um theme park operators are there to earn a profit to earn a profit they need to get guests at the turnstiles and into their park so they're always trying to do something it might be the biggest the windiest the coolest the fastest something some kind of hook to get people to go to their park look at orlando Look at how many different theme parks there are. And yet new ones will appear there. And that's because you get such a, a dump of people there that they're all fighting. They all have options there. So I think that's pretty incredible. And that's happening right around the world, really. There isn't really a, a patch of earth that doesn't have even a regional park at the moment, you know. So there's lots of plans in place at the moment. So it, it's still people still are getting out of their homes. They're still getting excited. Um you talked about, you know, you've talked about Orlando. Do you see that a lot where there's a region, a city that is just really becomes a hub versus having something spread out across different cities? Why having a hub versus having it spread out? You, you think that I, I can see pros for both and cons for both. Yeah, I think you, uh, Orlando is very much a unique case. Look, you get whatever it is, 40 million plus visitors a year to that region. Um, but typically, honestly, I get a lot of phone calls where a prospective developer will say they want to do a theme park and I'll just pick on California for a second mm-hmm. and they want to do it in, in California. And I ask a couple of questions, well, why California? And 
Often it's because they live there. Well, that's not、no. a very good business reason to be building a theme park. These things are difficult enough as it is. So、um, I think Orlando is the exception. But the reason it gets so much interest is just because you have so many people. The people that go there, they obviously understand theme parks. So if there's a new theme park for them to try, they're more kind of educated to try try it. Yeah. Okay. So you know, kind of on that note. When we're talking about, you know, where are the theme parks located? What's coming up?、Um, kind of planning for the future and、mm-hmm. seeing where it goes. What are some of the most interesting kind of lessons learned from these projects around the world that you've seen? I don't know if you have like your top three or five, but I think that would be really interesting to kind of talk through. Because I'm sure you've seen some crazy things. You've seen some what are you doing things. Yeah, sure. Well.、Um, <laughs> In terms of a, a trend that's happening, you know, we've spoken a lot about attractions and theme parks. But when you talk about themed environments, it's not just about theme parks. I I was talking to someone the other day that spoke about needing creative input、uh, at medical facilities. And when you think about it, well, yeah, that's a horrible experience for many people, right? To go in and have some surgery. So why not make that a more pleasant experience? We've already gone through that cycle in airports. Yeah. Um, they're doing a lot of that in the retail environment. So this whole aspect about、uh, improving the、uh, customer experience is something that's not necessarily unique to the theme park world. Yeah. So, so but they're taking aspects、mm-hmm. of the flash and the, you know, the visuals and all of that, and now you're saying it's kind of transferring into everything down to healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about. Leaving people smiles on their faces after、mm-hmm. they visit、uh, the doctor. Yeah, <laughs> after they get their flu shot. Yeah, get, take the teeth、surgery. out and be happy. <laughs> the dentist. Well, that <laughs> the dentist could use some of this. So okay. And so, so what are some of those?、Um, so some of those lessons, lessons learned. learned、um, let's see. Th- th- there are many, but there's a few, a few things that come up repeatedly.、Um, the first one I would say is, look, the easiest way, the by far the easiest way to lose financial control of a. Project during the early stages is down to pure building program, gross floor area.、Mm. Um, if you build more, if you increase the size of a building, of course you're going to add cost. And as obvious as that sounds, you'd be surprised how many projects we work on where there isn't enough focus on that during the early stages.、Mm. So that's that's one really easy thing to fix, but it happens from project to project. Things will always increase because you know you get additional input from the stakeholders, operations, or safety, or just for guest experience.、Uh, but having a mechanism where、uh, adjustments to GFA gross floor area is actually managed and approved, I think that that's definitely something that could be improved. And so it sounds. I mean, you're quite passionate about that. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen too many projects that have stalled because of it. And so it sounds like that in itself is a reason that. Coming in so early, someone with your skill set that has seen all these projects is really important to really get a grasp on that. Yeah,、start. absolutely. I mean, I would say that、um, we add most value during the earliest stages of design because we've got so much experience that we don't need a fully developed、uh, set of design documents in order to have an opinion on scope, schedule, or budget. Because you so, can see where it's going to go. You've been there a million times. Exactly. I mean, I'll give one small example. I worked on a project in Brazil.、Mm-hmm. And on that project, it was a、um, a corporate center that had high tech components. So the owner actually hired a local QS, a quantity surveyor, and we did our own estimate from the US. We don't have an office there, so we use our tried and trusted method of researching the marketplace. What happened on that project was that our numbers were higher than the local. 
Ponte surveyors. Mm. And initially that, that uh, caused some concern because they felt uh, we didn't have a grasp on the market. But as the design developed, our number stayed the same, mm-hmm. but the local quantity surveyor's number actually kept creeping up. Kept so the reason that happened was that we were able to identify things and allow for plenty of things that hadn't yet made it to the drawings. And the local quantity surveyor did pick them up, but only when they started appearing on the drawings. And that's something, you know, it's so interesting. We, we see that across sectors, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know our region or you don't know this. And it's like, well, we don't, we can do all that research. We got that. That's fine. Yeah. But we've seen 500 of these projects where your local team, this is their first or second one they've, they've seen. And we know what comes next. We're, we're, we have our forecasting team also just looking at the market side of things. Like, what's the cost going to change? Is there going to be a fluctuation? Is there going to be a correction? Yeah. So it's even those little outside things that we have our, our eyes on. Exactly. So it's, it's interesting when things like that happen. You don't want to go to bat with a local team. But That's it's like, right. hey, we just have a little bit more experience in yeah, this, actually, or we've seen this before. It even comes across in the questions. If mm. you like, let, let's take the example of an attraction. If you don't have enough experience on an attraction, you won't even know to ask. Well, how many minutes of media does this have? Do we have show action equipment? Is there show control? You won't even know to ask those questions. Right. Um, and so, what's what's another what's another good one that you you've seen that you're constantly like, ooh, got to avoid that or. I, actually, I'll pick on one that happens at the end. Most clients ask for closeout reports. Okay. And, um, you know, there's a perception that you do that at the end of a project, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you've got everything's done. You put a nice, neat bow on it. And it's in its name, it a closeout report. <laughs> yeah. My opinion is don't leave it till the end. Really? Do it as you go along. Capture the data, whatever you need. Uh, capture it as you go along. It'll be more meaningful because mm-hmm. if you capture it as you're going along, people will check it. And that's when sanity checks will be done. And then at the end, you know what, if you need to tweak something or go back and get a final, that's relatively easy to do. But this concept of doing it right at the end, it doesn't work. People are focused on their next job and then it just becomes a check the box exercise. Yep. So that's definitely something that, that I would uh, I would recommend. Just do it as you go along. And it seems like it would just, uh, there'd be more detail. There would be, you're not, it's not being rushed at the end. There's just a lot of benefits to, to and like you said, just having those checks and balances along the way. Yeah, and people are vested in giving you the right uh, information at that point. Because if you check it along the way, the project's live, you know, so you actually get the, the real data, right. data there. Huh, interesting. Okay. So not, uh, not to take too much of your time, but since you are the theme entertainment <laughs> guy, uh, what is your, your favorite ride? What do you enjoy most personally about the industry and why are you still doing it? Well, let's see. When it comes to favorite rides, um, top place has been uh, knocked off by various rides that have come up in recent years. It used to be Indiana Jones for me. Okay. Um, until I did Forbidden Journey. Okay. And then I went to Orlando and did uh, Flight of Passage. And that's just number one for me at the moment. Really? I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> I think uh, guests for all just the, have to. For all the junkies out there that yeah, are on you their way and, and holiday season. <laughs> and in terms of what I like most, I tell you, when I uh, visit a theme park to this day, the thing I like most is going with somebody that has not been to a particular park or attraction. Always. Really? I just love seeing their reactions. And whether it's um, soaring at Disney, whether it's going to Knott's Berry Farm, or one of my favorites is the reveal moment in Diagon Alley in Orlando. Again, I won't say any more about that. <laughs> Don't you guys it. will need to research it. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. 
Well, um, is there anything else that you wanted to to talk about or, or bring up that, you know, maybe people out there in the industry, whether they're an owner or, you know, a, a team that's been assigned to one of these these new rides? What, what kind of be Yeah, your- I think what I'd say is, um, look, the, to be able to provide project management or estimating for these types of projects, it's not necessarily a career path that a lot of people even know exists. Mm-hmm. So if you have an industry... Uh, interest and you want to explore something in this industry, there are some great organizations out there, the TEA, IAPA, Blue Loop. Um, and then if you're, if you're not put off by learning, being a sponge, absorbing as much as you can, um, you're not phased by working on projects that don't have nice, neat square lines, <laughs> um, then maybe the theme park world might be something for you. It's, it's high intensity, high octane, but I tell you, at the end of it, there's a lot of satisfaction with being able to do something like this because not many can. Well, awesome. Well, thank you for, for sitting down with us. And hopefully this was informative and entertaining for other people that have an interest in this sector as well. Yeah, thank you so much, Jessica. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks to see you. All right. If you enjoyed this episode of Construction Insiders, we encourage you to check out our website at www.ccorpusa.com. That's C-C-O-R-P-U-S-A.com, where you can find our full knowledge library under the Insights tab. It's all great stuff. We're really passionate about it, and we hope you'll check it out. Thanks for listening.